Bringing his British rock style to the States, Guy Snowden had a vision. So he formed the citizens from talented musicians made right here in the USA. This week, we talked to Guy and guitarist Tyler Ray about their latest album release, One, and what band life is like for Guy and the Citizens. We got Guy Snowden and the Citizens. I'm Big Bry. Level Up Cleveland starts right now. All right, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Level Up Cleveland. And this week we have in the studio with us Guy Snowden and the Citizens. And that means, of course, Mr. Guy Snowden is with us. Guy plays bass, and he is the lead vocalist, and he's got his name on the band. And we also have Tyler Ray, and Tyler plays guitar. And we don't have with us today... Uh, Mr. Billy Brock, the keyboard player, and Zach Lefebvre is the drummer, and he is also not with us today. But we do have Tyler and Guy with us, and thanks for coming down, guys. Thank Appreciate you. it. Thanks for having us. Um, I think everybody will notice right away that Guy has a little bit of an accent because he's not uh, necessarily from Cleveland. No, no. I'm from Akron. <laughs> <laughs> I did notice it's also in the name. I, that's what I thought. Guy Snowden in the Citizens. Yeah. Yeah, right. Right, right. <laughs> so you come from Birmingham? Birmingham, England, yeah. Birmingham's a pretty uh, popular place, um, especially in the music world. Big time. We had some huge names come out there. Matter of fact, right now, one of them's up for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, uh, Judas Priest. Oh, okay. Yeah. So w- let me ask you that now. So. You come over here first of all. Let me ask you the reason why you came to Cleveland mm. in the first place. What 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 made you pick Cleveland? Well, my wife works for a company based in Cleveland, um, and she got offered a promotion. And with what I do, I do music full time. And uh, you know, with the wonderful world of the internet, I'm able to do it anywhere in the world. So I just thought, let's do it. Do it here. Yeah. And uh, so when you come over to Cleveland. Like what you know, like I, I assume because I'm from Cleveland, so I assume this is the the, the you know the three things Cleveland's famous for mm. are uh, the Cleveland Clinic, mm-hmm. Cleveland Museums, mm-hmm. and uh, the orchestra. Really, yeah. those are your three biggest things that we're like really, really famous for. And in museums, it's funny, right? Because the Rock Hall is here. Yeah. Um, and like I said, Judas Priest is is nominated for it right now from Birmingham, but I don't know that they're gonna necessarily like the third get time. in. Yeah, and you have you know like. Birmingham also has the Great Black Sabbath. Yeah, um, Duran Duran came from there. There's a whole bunch of bands actually. It comes from Birmingham. ELO, The Move, uh, Zepl- half of Zeppelin. Yeah, half of them. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, pretty wild. Yeah. So these are, but this is your hometown, right? You yeah. were born. So when you do you look at? Is it like that for you though? Do you look at these as like these are the hometown bands that, but they just made it big? Do you feel that like we do here? Like we have like attachments to the bands in Cleveland. Here, yeah, right? and the thing is because it always I, you know. Being in, in being in the city, you know, England and English cities are a lot smaller and more compact than than what you guys have over here. And uh, it's like, yeah, going to a music venue, you would occasionally see Robert Plant or somebody. You know, I worked in a music shop, so all these local people were coming in all the time. You know, and you you kind of just it's not a norm, but it's still a regular kind of thing, especially in Birmingham. You know. Uh, one of the guys, um, 
I don't know if you guys remember Slade. Yeah. You know, they, they're pretty much all still around Birmingham and all that kind of stuff. And uh, Dave Hill from there was in the store every week kind of thing, you know. And it really? Was, yeah. That's kind of cool, huh? So <clears throat> it's it's not... It's not a norm, but yeah, it's still a cool thing because it's so compact. You you would occasionally stumble across somebody and go, "Hey, that's so and so from you know," kind of thing. But so so then you're uh, the style of music that you have. Uh, you refer to it, I do believe, as what was it? I can't remember now. Um, son of a bitch. That's exactly how we call our music. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, accurate. <laughs> that's accurate. Oh, Anglo-American rock is what I have. Yeah. So you call your music Anglo-American rock. What, what exactly are you, are you referring to when you say something like that? So with me being English, I'm, I'm heavily influenced by the music that I grew up with, like from the 90s, like the Britpop era and stuff like that. So your Oasis and all that. But I'm a huge fan of kind of the 60s, 70s rock as well and, and, and Queen and all that kind of stuff. But then obviously <clears throat> you've got the influences that Tyler's influenced by, you know, and, and, and Billy and Zach. So you're going to find a bit more of a transition between an English rock sound and an American rock sound. And that was kind of on the album one thing that I wanted to make sure that we kind of got across a little bit with with change i wouldn't say changing of genres but changing of the styles of rock that we were doing um you know going from i would say desert and something on the album a pretty much very english song and even the runner but before the runner you've got rolling train which is like an american old school kind of bluesy kind of slash gospely but still a rock song you know you've got a huge rock solo in there kind of thing i don't know what do you think ty kind of well, you have like that huge voice that it's almost is like a, a bluesy gospel. You have you can you can you can do that. Mm. You have a voice that can reach those kind of. Uh, you have a, you have an amazing voice. Thank I mean, it is much. it's an amazing voice, but it's powerful. You have a very powerful voice too. I've got to be careful where I use it. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, Tyler. Um, so you're the guitar player, and I noticed that you're also. Sponsored by Gresh. You Endorsed. play Gresh guitars. And I had I had an endorsement uh, for the month of November. I was the Gresh guitar player of the month worldwide. Really? Yeah, so I had a featured web page and uh, a write-up and pictures and all that. I don't know who actually reads it, but... Uh, <laughs> I read it twice. <laughs> oh, that, thank you. Thank you. Um, but yeah, I had I had a spotlight from them for about a month. So That's kind of cool. <laughs> sponsorship endorsement spot. The, the, yeah, uh, the... The spotlight was cool. That was great. Um, yeah, I've had about ten Gretsch guitars in the last fifteen years. Just buy, sell, trade. I oh, got, you don't own you don't own them all currently. You're saying in no, a, you've bought them, sold them, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. There's some that I wish I would have kept, but like um, there were two that I sold because of the coronavirus pandemic. I oh. looked, I you know everything was kind of shut down, and I looked down in the basement, and I had nine guitars, and I was like. Uh, <laughs> okay so i i sold i had a 64 corvette single pickup and i sold that it's somewhere in england um i don't regret selling it i miss that guitar but i don't regret selling it um my mom bought it that would have been nice <laughs> um the one pickup kind of makes things a little bit difficult for me sometimes um but yeah, I've I've got uh, I've got four Gretches. I have a Rickenbacker, and uh, I I finally bought my first Gibson last year. Um, 
in 20. No, I'm sorry. I bought it in 2020. I bought a 61 reissue SG in 2020. Oh. So, um, is yeah. that now? Is that does that take you back to your ACDC influences and your Dude, Malcolm Young you, thing you and all that stuff? It. Yeah. You better believe it. It's funny, but more often than not, I've been doing more Derek Truck stuff with it in the last six months. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've been doing a lot more slide. Which is oh funny. really? Yeah. Is that something that you always just did, and you're not, you're, or are you just now bringing I, it to them? I I tried, I I tried out slide like years ago. It was like, oh, this is another thing you can do with guitar, right? And I was like, oh, I'm no good at this. <laughs> and then like five years ago, I picked it up again. I was like, I got a lot of spare time. I'll try and. And then about a year ago, um, well, two years ago, I started playing pedal steel because of the pandemic. Um, I used my free time to learn how to play pedal steel. And so that kind of translated over to the guitar. I don't think I would have had as easy of a time with the slide, with the slide and not having learned that kind of sidebar. Um, so yeah, the last year or so I, I've been working more on slide styles Regardless, uh, what what else did you want to know about the? <laughs> well, do you guys, what, what what I do want to know now is, do you guys use the the pedal steel on the? Um... We used it once. Uh, we did a we did a recording for the Cleveland Verses group. Are you familiar with them? No. Okay, Cleveland Verses is a community organization that um, does compilation albums each year that are a tribute to a specific artist. So, speaking of ACDC this year. Is the is um, ACDC's Excellent. tribute year? Now, what they do is every cover has to be reimagined. It can't be anything. Um, right. So it's your version. Right. Yeah. And then they take the album sales and and royalties from that, and they donate what to the. I believe. I'm sorry. I'm trying to look That's okay. and talk away from like the Cle Greater Cleveland Food Bank was the recipient of the donation. No, I no, I can't remember. I think it might have been um, musicians who were affected by COVID. Was it? Okay, yeah. okay. So they yeah, but they donate they donate the proceeds that they get from their sales, and they work everything out with copyrights and, and things like that. So they keep everything um, legal. So nobody's legal. nobody's right coming after you later. Right. Exactly. So long story short, we did a cover of Bob Dylan's My Back Pages. And Guy orchestrated this epic six-minute piece, uh, and it's it's a really fantastic song. We used the pedal steel on that. We haven't used it on anything else. No, no. We will. I really, I do love it. I do, I love that instrument. I think it makes it makes songs. It just fills things out so well. And I just that's why I asked. I was like, you know, if you have somebody in the band that actually has one that can play it. So the thing that I like to do is when one of the guys turns around and says, hey, I've got this new piece of equipment, whether it's an instrument's uh, keyboard sound from Billy or it's, you know, a piece of percussion that Zach's gone and got or something like that, I'm just always like, right, got to write a song for it. You know, we've got to get it in somehow. And because the album was pretty much built upon demos that I'd already done and sent to the guys, it was like, okay, we need to get the tones of these guys on. And yeah, I think <clears throat> album two is definitely going to see a big influence with the laps uh, with the pedal steel. <laughs> so, oh, cool! Uh, so, so that, is that how you write it? Is that how you write wrote this album? Though, basically, you already had a whole number of demos set up, and and then you give the demos to them, and then they they do they change some throughout the process of getting it to the final yeah, stage. Yeah, definitely. Um, it was it the the band started with me sending pretty much Tyler and Zach um, the demos that we. We thought were, were going to be kind of a cool, cool way to put a band together, um, and the demos 
I think the oldest the oldest one that I got was like the second song I'd ever written, which is Giving Time. And um Which I uh I'm I made changes in. Mm. Um one of the big things is uh guy writes a lot of um four count type things. And um I remember we were working on Runaway and there was this extra set of chords in there. Uh, that went for eight bars, and I was like, "We don't need this. We get rid of that. We don't need too that. long. It's too long or too similar to this." And and we wanted, to, and then uh, we started working on uh, giving time. And um, giving time is kind of cool because it's uh, his, his song structure will be like a verse and a chorus, and then like a half verse, just which is kind of a cool pacing, and and, and it's different. You don't see that a lot. No, sometimes, and then you, it gets gets you back to that chorus quicker. Right, and then, exactly. The chorus is the, the driving point moving. of the song. Right, and so we we were kind of sorting through giving time, and I was like, this this is too like it's long winded. Okay, well, not even lo- that it was long winded. It was just that it moves here, right, and then for some reason it slows slows down here. So I just made a little change on um, the end of the chorus. Where, not the end of the chorus. Um, into the chorus. In, well, it's it's during the chorus. Now we're talking about Into the Desert. Out of the <laughs> desert. <laughs> like songs on the album. There's this little change on uh, when Guy sings, You Could Only Let Me Go, it, and the chords move from B minor at A back to D. I changed uh, one of the quarter notes to a dotted eighth note. So instead of... Uh, it goes boom, doom, doo, doo, doo. and so I changed oh. that syncopation up a little bit just to kind of bring bring back some of the the groove into mm-hmm. the song, and um, we, you know, I'm lucky that that guy allows for that kind of collaboration, and and it's it's nice to be able to have that input, and um, y- you know, he takes song that's that's his, and then he brings it to us, and then we make it. The band thing, and it's um, it, you know it's a it's a good collaborative effort because sometimes when you're working on something and they're like this is how it is, yeah. If if it doesn't gel with one person, then slowly <laughs> it starts to not gel with. Yeah, well, that's true. Well, and plus, like, uh, it does. It, it's amazing. Me and Pat write songs, mm. and and it's an amazing thing where he'll either write the, the beginning of it or a song, and then I get the and then it changes, or I write the beginning of it, I give it to him, and then it's different and i would say 95 percent of the time it's improved after the second person gets a hold of it so yeah. so you know you think you have and, and and i don't know about you but when i write a song or we couple of songs that literally the whole song is it's almost like that song exists already because in your head you know how it goes you can hear the guitars you can hear the drums you hear the vocals you just know it's like it's literally a real song to you already yeah and it hasn't even fleshed out <clears throat> um but then all of a sudden you give it to somebody else or somebody else hears it, they'll hear something and they'll be like, well, you know, if you tweak this or whatever, you would never have thought of that ever. And and exactly. and it kind of fucks up your song, <clears throat> right? Because in your head, we call it demo-itis. Like once you have a demo created, if you don't get right into a studio and record the real version of that and you've heard that demo a number of times, yeah. anything that veers from that, doesn't sound good to your ears <laughs> and at that, all. And right? I must say that was right. quite a, that was quite a, a feat that I had to get over because some of the songs I'd had, like as I said, "Giving Time" was like the second song I'd ever written, and um, 
you know, that was that was probably like 10 years ago that I wrote that. So I, I got this version that I've known for 10 years. And then when we played it as a band, um, there was a section in there which which I think I was going through guitar with you and you were just like, why is that bit there? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and and we took it out and it, it, it just taking it out and it kind of took me a while to kind of get used to the fact that, okay, this is actually now working out for the better because listen to how the song sounds in comparison to what I had before. Excellent. And and you, you learn to trust each other on this. Once, you, once a couple Not successful yet. things. <laughs> no. yeah. yeah, it's funny. We're sometimes <laughs> sometimes we're like oil and water, and then sometimes we're like flour and, and, and eggs, you know. <laughs> well, the, the, but the oil and water thing works for a lot of bands because, if, like I said, if you, you, know, like you think your song is so perfect in your head, you yeah. really you really right. Create that in your mind until somebody else gets a hold of it and does it, and, and then all of a sudden, like you, 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 you know, a band that's going to stay together and write good songs. That guy admits it. You know that you, you, what you did was right. Mm. The ones that don't last long are the ones where the guys adamant on his version, and right. and then everyone's pissed, and then they, they don't. Well, last. and what's that's what's sustained. great about some days about being flour and, and water versus <laughs> or or uh, oil and water versus like flour and eggs is like it 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 just keeps this continuous momentum where of you know you have that push and pull where some days we might disagree and then the next day we come around and and uh we're like three steps ahead now instead of one day because we had that that opposing viewpoint that caused us to think more and uh well how do you guys how do you guys meet in the first place i mean how 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 does i mean like this is like a a lot of miles between all of you the power of the (laughs) internet guy had a vision he got online and he sought people that looked like his vision. No, I mean honestly, that would do, that that that's why that's how. Well, how so? What does your vision look like? How do you? Uh, My vision originally was for me to form a band of just me. No, <laughs> <laughs> you had no no the citizens. Didn't I even. didn't want them. <laughs> no, there could be truth in that. I don't know. Uh, no, um, in all seriousness. Um, the way the band started was actually um, through our manager. He heard some of our songs, um, oh, some some of my songs, sorry, and then he said, "I think you need to form a band um, and get this music out there." Um, were you playing like acoustic versions of this? Where you were the one man, or did you have like the drums and everything at this point? Because I've seen you, 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 you do a solo thing also sometimes, yeah, I right? Do. I do. So, so were these songs? Written that way, and then no. you made them into a, a, or you already had the drum parts and all that. No, so the way the way that I write is pretty much, um, it started when my daughter was born because I I that was when kind of like my creative streak just, bang, that was it. I, okay. I knew that I was going to do music full time from then, and um, <clears throat> my daughter was like clockwork. She would have a two hour nap in the morning and a two hour nap in the afternoon, and if I couldn't write record and roughly mix a song with everything so bass guitar program drums because i'm not waking her right. up <laughs> uh, and and vocals and everything just to get the absolute basics there you know um within two hours i wouldn't finish the song and i've, I've got so many songs that i just haven't finished because i'm just like you just lose the creative it's like 40 yeah. and uh but the the ones that i did finish it was like everything had to be done within two hours so that's my rule if I can't do it all, um, you still have that role. 
Yeah, yeah, very much so. Because the thing is, it's like you can you can sit in a studio all day, you know, just just trying and forcing yourself to write. And I, John Lennon was quoted saying, um, you know, you ask me to write you a song, I can write you a song, but it's not going to be as good as a song that comes to me naturally. Exactly. So I'll always, you know, if I go down in, into my basement studio, I will literally just sit there for half an hour. If nothing comes to mind, I'll just put the guitar down and be like, it's not happening today. Today's not today. And it was those, it was those demos that David heard and he said, form a band. So then um, I took him seriously. The guy's the manager of Bad Company. You've got oh. to take him seriously. And <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> sure. So... I I started, um, I had tried to put something together before David, but uh, David made that comment um, with a group of guys, but it just really didn't work out. We got together once, but everyone, everyone was kind of, um, I wouldn't say an ego, but everyone had their own opinions. And it was kind of like, okay, this isn't the interest of the music. This is the interest of everybody's own individual opinion. Yeah, it's yeah, funny because yeah. I've met like four or five people that were all there that night, and they all have the same story. But I've never met the one person that, like, was kind of responsible for that, right? Because <laughs> like, you weren't responsible for that, right? No. Like, yeah. It was um, – because even the Dropbox folder for the longest time was named Guy Ideas for So-and-So. And I was like, who's So-and-So? And he goes, oh, yeah, it was this, you know, it was this other thing we were working on maybe and – I, it's funny because I, I, I've met everyone except for the one person, and they all have the same. They all say the same story. It was weird, man. Everyone just had their own opinions and own ideas, and it just didn't. It like, really was. And it, the thing was, when everyone left, I just thought this isn't going to work. And, it, and it's funny, it didn't. And then, now, um, are you are you in England at the time when this is going on, or are you no, in America in at the time? Cleveland, yeah. Yeah. so you're already in Cleveland. Yeah. Okay. Um, so then, when I. When, when obviously, then I started searching for um, for people. I I asked a few guys. Um, I knew I'd worked with Zach, the drummer, in a previous band, and I explained the situation to him. And I said, "Hey, you know, do you want to come and just uh, do some drums, just to help us get started, kind of thing?" And uh, the one thing I, I I said to all of the lads because we're all in different kind of other projects, like my solo stuff and either work and Tyler goes off and plays with other bands and Zach's in another band and Billy plays with other people as well. And it's like, I don't want to sound like I'm basically saying, come and do this with me and drop everything else. And I was just like, let's just see if it works and we'll just take it as it comes kind of thing. And um, so I, I got Zach in and then I started to try and find a guitarist. And I think Tyler was the, the like the first or second person that I, I, I contacted and, uh, you, you, I just, I, what did I send you? I sent you Hammer Falls or something. Like yeah, that. you sent me a Facebook message. You're like, dude, I see you playing a Gretsch guitar, and uh, I'm gonna send you some demos. And here's my sales pitch on uh, what David told me to do. And I was like, okay, <laughs> yeah, let's hang out. Cool. And then, and what about uh, key, keyboards, Billy? Oh, so we 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 had the one guitar player, me. Um, we had had another guitar player for a minute, um, but, you know, a lot of us had other stuff going on, so he had other stuff that he needed to take care of, and then he had a very successful uh, career despite the pandemic. And uh, He has. He's not dead. It, right, right. <laughs> but, yeah, but, you know, I mean, he, he made some great leaps and bounds for himself yeah. in that period of time. Definitely. Despite. 
And anyways, uh, it was just me uh, playing the guitar, and we kept talking about, like, Deep Purple and stuff. And uh, there was a girl I was seeing that we had show up to one practice uh, just to just to try playing, like, keyboards and th- synthesizers. And we were like, yeah, we only need the one guitar. We got to have a keyboard instead. Mm-hmm. We don't need two guitars. And because uh, every other band I played in was with two guitars, I was yeah. like, I'm t- I've been doing two guitars for 15 years. Like, let's do something. And that different. can get complicated too. It, it, right, it, it, right. There's an ego thing that sometimes so, goes along with. <laughs> yeah. So I got on Facebook and I just started sending like, well, it's funny you say that. Nearly every band I've been brought into, I've been brought in as the second guitar player, as like a rhythm player, and but then like, the the other person like, doesn't work out for some. So you've become the main guy. <laughs> yeah, <actually. laughs> yeah. There, there have been a few times through like college and after college and high school where I was like, "This looks bad," <laughs> but it's not. You know, it's just the way the cards fall. Yeah. But anyways, I got I got on the internet and I was like, "Picture of a keyboard, picture of a keyboard, picture of a Hammond. That's cool. Picture of you know." And I just sent sent messages to people, and uh, I told Billy. I, I found Billy on Facebook, and I saw a bunch of mutual friends, and I was like, hey, hey, we're doing this uh, British rock kind of band, and we want a keyboard player, and, uh, you know, here's some of the stuff that we do. And he got back to me, like, three weeks later, and we just started uh, giving him the sales pitch, and uh, he shows up, and he just, he turns out he's not even a keyboard player, He's a goddamn bona fide Hammond player. Oh. Like he's a fucking Hammond. Like got the rock, the rock, John Lord. Like oh, John, yeah. like oh, yeah. this dude. This does he have? Does, does he got the whole thing? He's going got like the this? draw bars. <laughs> yeah, he's got the draw bars. I mean, if if he if he didn't have if he didn't have a rickety stand for his A one hundred, he'd be doing the shit where he's jumping up on top of it with his feet. But uh, you oh, that's know, awesome. I, yeah, that's awesome. I mean, but he, that's awesome to have guys like that. Your yeah, man, yeah, and 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 uh, he. I mean, he plays with like Skinnerd cover groups, and what does that mean? Break. Okay, um, he plays. He plays <laughs> with, which is good because sometimes I need to be told to shut up. Um, but regardless, yeah, I found Billy, and we brought him in. And he's been a amazing asset to guy throughout the recording process, the production process, the oh. business. Side so he's of like things. a sound guy too. Like he's got the he's ears a sound and he's got guy. the. He is. I mean, he he ran. He was the general manager for uh, for Musicland for like three, four or five years. And uh, my mic or headphones are breaking up or something. Um, I mean, he's What's musician, sound guy, producer, uh, businessman. I mean, he just. Uh, Dynamics, he gets it. He's been he's been more valuable to the band than me. <laughs> I love that's funny. Yeah. Well, that's pretty honest. And now I want to talk about your drummer. Mm-hmm. Um, so Zach, you said you played with Zach before, yeah. And, and and so basically that's how it was. You just carried him over. You're like Robert Plant getting John Bonham into the band type thing. <laughs> it was basically, I just I just seemed to gel with him. And he's got the right attitude. He uh, he's a powerhouse behind the kit. You know, I call him my Ringo. He plays oh. everything that's necessary and doesn't. You know, what doesn't need to be played doesn't yes. need to be played. Kind Excellent. of thing. And he's he's just a perfect drummer for a good solid rock band. I think of him as Charlie Watts more than Ringo. Yeah. <laughs> not not to argue or, or, or debate. No, no, let's let's argue. Uh, 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 well, <laughs> fine. He's tra- he's 
Charlie fucking Watts. <laughs> <laughs> He's Ringo. No. Um, so this is a Stones Beatles debate. Man. Not even this that. That's like- what I didn't want to get into. But I mean, Zach just has a, a background that is very. It has, I would say, it has a likeness to a lot of the classic great drummers mm. in his his pocket and his choices and perfect his, meter his type dynamics. thing. Well, yeah. I just, yeah, I mean, he's just he's got a a great a great dynamic. Um, he strays away from flashiness. We were having a rehearsal last week. We were like, you know, just throwing a fill. <laughs> he was like, I, I, I don't really want to. <laughs> and then he went home. The opposite of every other drummer, right? The opposite. And the thing yeah. is, when and he, we we did try it with a fill, and then we tried it without, and he was right, you know. And and that's the thing his his musicianship and and it's 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 an interesting one because normally because I'm a bass player with other bands that I've been in as just a bass player and not a singer. Um, it was it was always me and the drummer would kind of just sit there while the guitarists and the singer and who else was in the band would discuss, you know, all of the kind of the stuff that they're doing. But it's because, you know, because I'm the lead singer as well as the bass player, those conversations are, you know, between all of us. And that's the nice thing is the fact that Zach doesn't just sit there and just let us decide like what's going on in the songs like most drummers that I've worked with would do they just follow what we're doing right he actually gets really involved and his his opinion is a huge one you know because obviously if we if we all gel with the song then it it makes the songs come across as better and that's that's actually it's funny because after each gig will come we'll come off stage and say, Do you know, we could have done that little bit a bit better or we could have done that better. But the amount of comments we get for when we come off stage going, Hey, you guys are really tight and it's like we're criticizing ourselves. No, but that's but that's great because yeah. honestly, that's the only thing that keeps people. You know, it, it, when you when you're done all the time and going how great we are and how great you are, that's when you're going to start resting on your oh, laurels. Oh, still you're start. really great. <laughs> <laughs> that's great though. I mean, honestly, but that is the, I, it's so easy for people to get in this business uh, satisfied. Yeah, like like they make an album and then that's it. They're so happy with their album and da 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 da, and they stop writing songs. You know, they they, they rely on this one piece of work or whatever, and it happens all the time. You can't afford to. No, and and if you're constantly looking to improve, if you're constantly, that means you're still hungry. That means you're still looking to get better. And what are you going to do? You're going to write another song. You're going to mm. keep going. And that's if you don't. Whenever you stop, and you can't. When I say stop, you can't even take breaks in this business. And Once you have it. a window, you got to keep moving, man. You got to yeah. keep going. And that's the thing. I've I've reached my peak of awesomeness where I can't get any better. Um, in, in all seriousness, you're, you're spot on, you know. If you if you stop, yeah, that's the problem. And there was a there was a time before the band where I did stop for a few years and uh, I my granddad passed away and and um, I remember my last conversation with him, he was like, I wish you never stopped the music. And it still took me about a year to get back to it. But I did. And, you know, to be in the position working with some amazing people, and it's not even just the citizens, you know, the citizens is like, that's that's our baby, you know, and it's such a great force. And we've got a team behind us that are not even musicians. Oh yeah, you know, I've noticed that you do. You have you're you're you're, you're you have an entire professional outfit set up, mm. helping you along this whole thing too, yeah. which is, which again, you know, that, that's that's when someone's taking themselves seriously and they're really putting their 
best efforts into it, that's what you do. And you have to. Yeah, you know, that's what you do. I think the thing, <clears throat> the thing for us is if we're not taking it professionally, we're not taking it seriously, it's not worth doing. No, it's not. I mean, it, unless it's just a hobby and then, then – it's an expensive hobby, you know. Like these hobbies get very expensive. That's all it is. <laughs> yeah, Tyler and I know about that. Oh my god. He he saw nine guitars and sold a few. I see nine guitars and say I need a tenth. <laughs> <laughs> but um, and that was the thing. The the way that the actual band was created and when the band was created, you know, to be sat with you here today, it shouldn't have. It really shouldn't have worked, because we started at the start. Like my conversation with David was in the summer of 2019. The band really formed and, and started kind of getting the name around in November 2019. Then we had the pandemic. Right, immediately. And we just stopped. But we, we then started doing discussions and we went out and did our... We did, we did our EP. Yeah. We did our EP in Zach's backyard, uh, in, in literally in the woods. And cool. um, we put out some cash and we had two singles that we recorded in Guy's Basement, but had mixed and mastered by Abbey Road Studios in London. No and we, we wanted to do that for a little bit of marketing and promotions and some reputation type stuff. Yeah. And then, and, and then we did a, uh, a show at the Music Box on the 4th of July. So we did the, the Anglo-American <laughs> play a little joke on our 4th of July performance. I wanted to get... Um my favorite English t breakfast tea brand to sponsor it, <laughs> but they they refused. <laughs> yeah, he, he he reached out to a couple couple different brands to try and get that show sponsored, and none of them were having the humor. They just don't get. They just don't understand guys' brand of humor. That's all. No, <laughs> no. My wife has to consistently apologize for me. Oh really? Yeah. Are you a Holy Grail guy? I mean, do you, are you are you Monty Python or or? Do you know? I I, I I I I do like Monty Python. Yes, my humor. I'm just a dick. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. I, I'm sorry for swearing. Oh yeah. But yeah, That's it's terrible. like I'll go to a restaurant and they say, you know, I'll I'll order a steak and they say, how do you want it cooked? And I say, preferably on an oven, you know. And it's and but and you're just trying to be funny and people sometimes take it as it, that you're not trying or are you not trying I, to be funny? Are like, you are you genuinely just being a dick? I. <laughs> That's Billy. I asked my wife. That's, yeah, that's Billy. Billy. Yeah, Billy's also the troublemaker. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. If if you if Billy would say that on an oven, and he would mean it. Yeah, <laughs> right. With a straight face. Right. And like like right. don't ask me stupid questions. And then, type and thing, then right? Zach would just sit there and he'll just laugh, and <laughs> he'll say, "Okay, uh, just you know what? I don't even want a steak at this point. Just, <laughs> just straight to the straight to the the whiskey." <laughs> So when I start when I when I first uh, start looking you guys up and if you you know basically the first thing I do is Google your name obviously and see what pops up. Immediately what pops up is crime. The, well, no, <laughs> no, but the the, the channel eight thing. Images. The channel eight thing is what, is what pops up as, uh, as far as images okay, yeah. immediately. So I'd like to talk about that a little bit. I, I think people yeah. are, would be interested to know well, how that guy, guy pestered Margaret Dakin for two years. <laughs> <laughs> well, the th and the thing was. <laughs> great thing was because they did the the morning acoustic kind of shows and uh, i was told by a friend of mine to get in touch with her and this was before the citizens and um and yeah so she said look i really like your stuff but um it's we too don't, loud it's too loud and we don't we don't really have solo acts on 
So then when I formed the Citizens, I thought, hey, this is, you know, this is what we need. So from the start of the Citizens, especially from the when we released Hammerfalls and Runaway, um, I was just, yeah, pestering her. She's like, I love the music myself, but we can't have something that loud on in the morning. So, yeah, then, <laughs> then I just remember getting the email back saying, yeah, if you could do something acoustic, we'll, we'll, we'll have you on. And I was just like, oh, my God, it's finally happening. She's <laughs> saying yes. And uh, it was the coldest day what, did we do it in a March or a we, February? We did it in February, yeah. and we did it outside. Like I, I literally done the morning show two weeks prior. We <laughs> with with another band, and uh, we the just, same same show. Yeah, and we just did a we just did a cover. Uh, I'm sorry, not a cover. We did a um, we did a little uh, quad setup. We didn't have the full band, and we were set up in a room like six feet apart, and then. These guys want to do it outside. And I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> why? Like, <laughs> who wanted to do it outside? The, the station wanted remember. you guys to do it? No, or did you go? it was our decision. Well, oh. I say our decision. It was basically, because it was the heart of the pandemic, it was, it was one of those where we still got to take this incredibly seriously. Now, we're an incredibly lucky band with the fact that Billy, Tyler, and Zach, um, Tyler's a cameraman as a profession. At... Fox at Fox and um, <laughs> really yeah yeah and um, it was it was one of those and we're having cam- camera problems today. That's <laughs> great. I just, <laughs> well, I don't like to come into a place and start fixing people's stuff. If they uh, oh, there, man. You know, <laughs> but it's like this is your domain. It's all right. Fix, <laughs> fix away. And, and Billy's Billy's big into production, and Zach's just a phenomenal photographer. Um, so we knew we'd got the equipment to do a really solid job um and yeah billy brought down his cameras tyler brought down his camera i got my wife's camera out and 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 i, I think zach brought his down billy bought all of his lighting so we backlit yeah. red white and blue and uh it was it was it was a good evening it was just really cold yeah and it's it's so it's nighttime when you guys did that right it was dark yeah, yeah it was like seven o'clock at night eight o'clock so you guys just filmed yourselves and everything and then sent that 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 tape to them and then they aired that? Or yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. I see. Yep. So we managed to run a snake from my basement studio all the way out into the backyard. Oh, they did it on a So everything was, everything was mic'd and then Billy took the footage away. I did the audio and, uh, yeah, it, it worked out. And, it, you know, we we promoted one of our gigs that we did. Um, the Rialto. The Rialto. Uh, which made us look even greater because um, because it was limited capacity. It was sold out. So wow. you're on Fox 8 and they're saying, hey, their show's sold out, but we're still advertising the show So because you can watch it online. And it was like, how cool do we look right now? Yeah, so you got it was set up where you could watch it online live? Yeah. No kidding. Yeah, yeah. We, we live streamed it on, uh, on Facebook. It's pretty much something that we, I think we're going to try to start doing. When we did our album release, we live streamed the album performed live. We did two sets that night. We did yeah. the album straight through, and then we did a um, other songs and a couple covers. Yeah, we did like an hour, what an hour long set, and then a forty minute set. Yeah, well, you guys like? Uh, do you have a practice room, or do you guys jam at somebody's house in the basement, or in the basement? Su- yeah, in the summertime, um, it'll be in the garage with the full PA and everything. Oh, so you, you just redid the whole garage to 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 make that? No, oh. no, no. You just set up in there. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, I'm wondering, I guess what I'm asking though is like you guys are going to do the live thing. If you're going to, are you going to do it from that space? Is that what you're talking about doing? Oh no, yes. he means just start to stream our our okay. all your shows live. Yeah, yeah, because it's still weird, man. Like people still don't want to go. They'll come out to outdoor gigs, and depending on where you go, you have a lot of regular places where there's outdoor gigs, and people will generally pack those. But indoor gigs are still really weird. A lot of people are are either cool with staying home now, they realize that they were going out too much, mm. or they just, you know, it's, there's been such social anxiety yeah. that people don't want to be standing next to each other now. It's 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 indoor gigs are really weird right now still. So the live stream thing allows us to get on a stage with a good PA, with some really good lighting, with a good name and a reputation. And then we have the people there that pay to be there, and then we have the live stream just for more exposure, and, and we need to have digital media content. That's what we keep getting told is that we don't have enough digital media content. So by doing the live streams, that will up that. Yeah. And it, it'll be a, a two-fold so process. Well, what, what stops you from not putting this, this new album that's coming out when you put this album out? What's, are you going to have a bunch of videos made for the album? And that that is that is the way that they're doing it now. Yeah. You know, album comes out, almost every song's got a video attached to it. Well, we... I don't know. I we're mean, doing that with the singles. Um, yeah. We've done, uh, again, part of our team, we've got um, we've got a great guy, Jeff, who does all of our graphic design. He did the album cover. He's done our website and all that kind of stuff. All of our merch designs. We've got more merch coming soon. We's, he's done just some amazing stuff. And um, uh, with... With all that kind of stuff, I've completely forgotten the question. <laughs> I, I, I think that we're gonna have we will we will have strong social oh, media videos, with our singles. Yeah. Are we stopping? Oh no! We'll have strong social media with our singles that have been out, and we'll have some great follow ups to the release that is that has been out uh, with one. Um, but there's just a lot of planning involved. And I think we haven't talked about it too much yet, but since the question's on the table, I think the better approach is rather than ramp up and do videos for everything, mm -hmm. we might want to follow more of a monthly single release plan. No, that's what yeah. the, uh, that is a good idea. And, and, and uh, honestly, that's why when you said you're putting out a new album, you know, that's that's becoming less and less well, and less of a thing yeah. that one, people are doing. It's a single release in November. Um, uh, unless there's a meeting I missed, uh, no, I'm, I'm, no. Um, well, if, I haven't told you yet. Yeah, right. No, I. I mean, one was out in November. I think a good thing for us to do is to release some singles off of it, which we've talked about doing, and putting out some singles like in the next couple months and maybe a summer release. Well, yeah, because our first the the one that we we classed as our first single stand together, which is the first track on the album that was released, I think three weeks prior to, yeah, in October, um, to, to, to the, the album. album. And then I think we we're actually talking about the videos. Um, now I've remembered, um, it was, Jeff has done a lyric video for stand together. Yeah. Um, we do have the next two singles. Um, and that was interesting because that was a great discussion that we, we all kind of had because, Obviously, with our, all of our own individual kind of tastes on the album, 
it was like we've all kind of got different ideas of what the singles would be. So the discussions to oh, yeah. which singles should be which, and I won't, I won't kind of come out and say which ones. But we do, we are releasing another single. Uh, is, is it next week? What did? Oh, we didn't. We're doing yeah, another one. There was the one we're releasing next week is the one I wanted out like immediately. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted it out as like its own before the album, like its own standalone. It's single. A, you like this song? It's, it's a, a powerful yeah. song. <laughs> it's we, a powerful. Song. What's this one? What's that song called? So this is called in my stride okay and uh, actually i can say it because we're advertising for the fan video that's right so for a video for this um we knew we had to do something because um uh laura who uh, is uh, a, a contact that i regularly communicate she's quite high up in the industry she checked out all of our stuff and she just turned around and she just said you need visual for the singles and i just immediately thought Ugh. You know, yeah. the thing is, we've all got a hectic schedule, you know, um, <clears throat> and uh, it's it's kind of like, how are we going to do a video? Have we got the time to do the video? And that's kind of why I think I think uh, me and Zach or Zach and I, sorry, um, had the discussion about kind of lyric videos. And Zach was saying that he thought um, another song should be the single. And that's going to be our third single. That will be Desert. Um, but yeah, it was it was we knew we had to have something visual then because too too many people that we should be listening to which we do listen to had told us to get visual so i'm always pestering jeff i'm calling him up and saying i need a i need a lyric video and he says when do you need it and i'm like two days is that okay and he's <laughs> like this is always you guy and it's for me it's like but then he does it yeah he does and he does a great job and uh, he's already done the video for the for the third single Nice. Um, which is going to be out in June, um, but uh, with with the single that we are about to release in the next week or two, um, we've actually put out online. We want our fans to record them singing the song, so like a fan video. I saw that promo you just put up. Yeah, yep, um, on Instagram, and we're having some great responses. Yeah, I think we've got we've pretty much got enough for a full video, but obviously the more people, the better kind of thing. That's great though. That's a, that's. Um, we're thinking about doing something like that on this show also. Mm. Uh, on our intro, we have a thing. Actually, we've already done that. On our intro. Thanks for asking us. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> hey, man, I didn't know I had. I'm sorry about that. No, but we have we had people sing the words, and then we just used the. Yeah. My voice, but it's then it's the. And that's what we Them mouth in it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It came out great. Yeah. It came out really great, actually. I use my grandkids and shit, so it'll come out. <laughs> <laughs> and it saves us a job. <laughs> yeah, man. It was really easy to do. Are you guys. Uh, Got a bunch of gigs lined up yet for the 22? Uh, two, three? Uh, yeah, we've got a few in the pipeline. Um, which we're basically now things are opening up. Uh, we're hitting it hard to try and get um, hopefully something going on late spring, early summer kind of tour. Um, you guys will be the headliner, or are you guys thinking about oh, get, finding somebody to, to connect to and latch onto and go out there with? Or the, the idea is to hopefully get involved with a few larger acts, um, but also to try and just also, as as I said earlier, because we started the pandemic, we never actually have gotten started gigging yeah. as yeah. a consistent thing. It's like we've always had kind of sporadic gigs here and there. Um, and We're also not trying to do the, the local yeah. weekly thing. You know, like once a month, once every other month. Um, try to make it something where it's not so often that people will come out to it and they feel like it's more exclusive and they can't miss it. Exactly. Yeah, you can burn, um, you can burn your own self oh, I did. out with people. I did. There's a, there's a bar in Lakewood that I won't even touch for another year. Because <laughs> I, 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 I played it like 
five times in six months last year. I was like, no way. Yeah, um, and people stop coming. Actually, we're, we're playing. Yeah. Uh, we're playing the Beachland uh, on oh. February eighteenth, and we're we've got a date booked with the Rialto. It's what March or April? Uh, I think we're looking in April. Um, and then we have uh, we have one of the larger summer events. What is that, Painesville? Uh, Twinsburg. That's Twinsburg Party. Yeah. It, Should it's, probably not. Do they call that Rock the Park or Party in the Party Park? Party in the Park. Party in the Park in Twinsburg, Rock the Park's in Painesville, right? Oh, no, maybe it's either way around. Uh, regardless, we're playing in Twinsburg in we'll figure it this out. summer. Um, so that's actually one of their larger um, showcase events for, for the summer community. Yeah. Um, so... Not we're we're building, you know. It's uh, it's still weird trying to come out of out of the pandemic. We we tried to do uh the the when we did the album release back in November, we wanted to do kind of a weekend, maybe tour. We had the show at the Beachland, and then we were in conversation with a bar in Buffalo, and we tried to get a bar in Pittsburgh, and the the bar in Buffalo, um, they they. It wasn't really a wise choice when we looked at all the numbers mm. to to go to Buffalo and then you know play Cleveland the next night and then you know try to go oh. back to Pittsburgh. We we had an offer for a gig in in Dayton, but the problem is is that when you've got four guys that are like in their thirties and give away the secret. Well, and and we've got all this equipment, and we're probably gonna have to take two cars. Yeah, we're not gonna go to Dayton for a hundred dollars. I'm sorry. And the like, other thing, I have standards. You know, right, 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 right. The other thing is this as well. You know, when when you're a band with our kind of equipment, you know, not every band has some little bloke with a blooming keyboard or, or Hammond organ that literally. If we can take it to a show and use his Hammond and a Leslie and then his other keyboards and synths, you know, that's a lot of equipment in itself. Oh yeah. So it's 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 making sure that A, a venue can and can take what we are. We're a loud band. Right. It's about the experience visually, not yeah. just not just um, the, the sound. Like yeah. Billy plays his hammond through a Leslie. I use a Leslie speaker as well. A guy plays a full stack. I've on got his an bass. auntie called Leslie. Uh, <laughs> Aunt Leslie. That's right. So it's like it, we're, we're, we, we enjoy using all that big equipment. We enjoy the experience that comes with seeing that equipment on the stage. So and you find people take us a lot more seriously. Yeah. Well, yeah. There's a there's a legitimacy thing that goes with all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. We did the Painesville party in the park, and to see and the nice thing about that was it was one of the few gigs where you get roadies. And oh. um, the roadies came to help us get all of our equipment. Their attitude changed from unloading the previous band stuff to then seeing what we had brought, and that was just their attitude towards the equipment and not us as a band. Yeah, you know, right, right, and right, it's right. it's incredible to think, okay, yes, those those items are what we need to create our art. But yeah, as Tyler said, the visual aspect. Right. You know, when you see those things on stage, and you know. I could. I've got a small little bass amp that I could happily take, and it would do its job on stage. Sure, but it doesn't look and it doesn't sound as impressive sure. as my full bass stack. You know? Absolutely. Well, just remember this, the eighties and the, in the late seventies when you'd go see bands play. Yeah, you didn't see their. You know, now it's all through PA's and stuff. But back in the day, remember the walls mm -hmm. of stacks that they yeah. would show up with. Well, that was 
a lot of it, a lot of those were empty. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? They, it, there is definitely a visual that goes along with that. It just, it just looks cool, em- empowering. Yeah, you know, you, you know? know, you're in for something potentially special. You know, when you see such a a force, and that's just the instruments. You know, Ty- Tyler and I, it's like, okay, I don't really need a backup bass, and very rarely will I take one to a gig. But the thing is, it's like when we did the album release, I made sure I took both of my basses, and then suddenly you've got four of Tyler's guitars and two basses on we, the guitar. We, we got a 12-string for Desert. Mm-hmm. We've got the SG that's drop-tuned for three songs. We've got the Rickenbacker with the capo on it. Then we have the Gretsch and the backup Gretsch. You know, it's like I... I need the I need the a guitar set for standard tuning. I need a guitar for twelve string, and then I need a, a a backup because what if you what if you break a string? I don't have a tech with me. And so the, that's I was just gonna say that. So uh, so you have to go go back, grab the next guitar, put the next. You don't have somebody that's handing you these guitars and changing them no, out. No, but I would rather do that and know that it's in tune and ready to go rather than spend like oh, two yeah. minutes mm-hmm. well, there's nothing more messing. annoying than a band oh, tuning yeah, up on stage exactly so it's like if i switch it if i just switch a guitar out instead of tune it's like okay wow that guy takes himself seriously and he was quick about it and we're on to the next thing well it's another it's that's another visual too though just switching your guitars out you, you don't you don't see that very often in a non-professional outfit but if you go see your favorite band play yeah. those guitar players because of right. tunings and stuff like that, right. that and, and, and and all of a sudden you're doing it right. and people see that and they're like oh and that does it does make a huge difference yeah. big time and and the thing is it's like when you do see a band doing that you've got to realize they're not just performing you know they they're also the amount of stuff we have to do on stage you know oh, yeah. that is not just musical like Tyler making sure that his guitar is the right guitar for that song. You know, my my big thing is I'm okay, I'm playing bass, but um for years Tyler and I've been discussing my pedal board and I just eventually just thought, you know, I, we've got the album release coming out, this needs to sound just like the album. I use I'm one of the rare bass players that uses quite a lot of effects on my bass. Oh, cool. And um when I'm singing I'm I'm not just singing, I'm playing bass, but then there are times in the song where I've got to switch effects. So I'm singing, I'm playing bass, and then I'm tap dancing. And oh. I thought, I can't do this because the other thing is I use effects, I use an effect delay on my vocals. vocals. So then suddenly both of my feet are going like that. Like my Getty Lee. You're like Getty Lee over <laughs> yeah, there trying to right. do pedals and sing in and play bass. It's, and- uh, it, it just became a nightmare. So then Tyler and I basically just, you came up with a, an idea of what I should be using for my pedal board and I just went and got it. And We opened so his mind easier. to the world of loopers. <laughs> <laughs> Me, I... I the less I would rather carry another amplifier than have a pedal. Mm-hmm. I'd rather carry both my Vox AC15s and a Leslie speaker so that I have tremolo, reverb, and a chorus sound, and then run like a delay pedal in a rack in the back with a remote switch, and just have like three little amp switches that are kind of out front, then be messing around with a big old pedal board. It's yeah. I I hate I hate doing that because I like to I look around and share the mic with guy and I don't want to worry about where my, where my feet are going. I want to know where mm. my hands are and I want to want to be able to look up and look out to the crowd. Right. right I right. hate it when, when people are, when guitar players are looking down at the feet doing something, it's, I just, I, 
Eight. So in other words, what you're saying is is that you're a guitar player, but guitar isn't the only thing you're really up there to do. You have a whole show that you're playing. Oh, you're you're, you're well, performing. Yeah, it's you're doing perform- other things. It's, it's 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 an entertainment showcase. Absolutely. It's not just a show. Like we 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 don't do a full three hour set, but we don't need to because the two hour set that we do is unique and captivating because we're we're performing. I mean. We follow one. We follow one rule: hit them hard and hit them fast. Yeah. You well, know. and and the three-hour rule really is more for cover bands. I mean, I, there's there's it's rare you see original bands going out and trying to do a three-hour. First of all, they don't have three hours of material. Right. Most Ex- of these bands, exactly. Don't. The three-hour set and the three-band bill are two things I never want to do again. And I think I, that's that's a rule that I never wanted this band to do because we get offered three-hour gigs all the time, and it's like, no. Because that's not what this band is about. When have you ever been to a live uh, original band performance and seen them perform for three hours? I th- not unless there's some kind of unbelievably unless ungodly great band and they're just doing this one-time tour. Exactly. Not, then, then that's, unless it's Bruce Springsteen. Yes. Yeah, you know? Right, right, well, right, right. But like, even, uh, even when I saw, um, I saw Eric Clapton, mm. what, eight years ago, nine years ago? He played an hour and a half set. Yeah. The opener played an hour, and I think there was like an acoustic opener, like a local guy in Pittsburgh. They they played forty five minutes. Well, we're seeing that a lot locally. So we're seeing a lot of bands that you know you get you get your four hour gig booked, and they're bringing another band in to play that first hour or first yeah. hour and a half, and they're not you know more and more bands are getting away from that four hour slot. Well. Yeah, but they also are starting to pack on like four and five bands. Like I, I'll never forget. I dragged all I dragged all my shit out to play a forty minute set at the Winchester one night when we had played at a outdoor event at Academy Tavern on the other side of town the same day. And I was like, "What the fuck am I doing? I, I'm I'm carrying out my guitar in, in my amp for for a forty minute set, and I'm walking away with like twenty bucks, and I've ran myself all over town today." Like, yeah, it, just, it always feels to me like you're making other people money, and that's what you're doing. Well, it's you're, not you're even putting that. all this well because these bars do prosper from you playing there, and these these clubs and stuff. You go, you play there, you draw people. The whole purpose of them getting you there is to sell their drinks and get out of right. So you're making them money, and then and mm-hmm. then they want to nickel and dime you to death. To, to, but you're the whole reason that they're you're you got people in here. To begin with. Well, but the thing that is, it's because you get too many bands with too many people on on one night. Mm. You don't need four bands on a bill. Yeah, it's true. I hate that. I'll never forget another time, guy came to see another band I was playing. I was filling in for bass, and uh, it was a Sunday night gig, and for some god-awful reason, there were four bands booked, and we were the fourth band because we were the only local act. Everyone else was from, like, Huron or... Like Ashtabula or something, and there was this acoustic duo that went on before us. It was like nine thirty at night. There were four people and left because it was Sunday, and they start playing Hotel California. And I was like, I gotta, I gotta split money with these people. Like, read the room. Like, <laughs> I see what you're saying. Yeah, for sure, for and, sure. And, well, yeah, that is that is the thing. Putting a lot of bands on a bill, it's ridiculous. Yeah. You can't. Well, and you and you just when you start getting into somebody, they're done. Yeah, you know, yeah. And, and that's that's the thing. I mean, it take your first set is usually a, a good warm up set. You know, get everybody. It, it, it takes a little every every concert. It yeah. takes a little while to get things going. Yeah, and when you're only up there for a, get a half hour or or get forty five minutes to play, and you're done, and, right. and people are just starting to figure you out. Right. And it does go so quickly, you know. Oh, when you're up there, yeah, minutes are 
seconds. Yeah, exactly. It's crazy. And the fun, you know, we are we are one of the bands that when we are rehearsing, we will to to get to a gig. If they give us, if they turn around and say we need an hour and a half or we need fifty, we will make sure we select our set accordingly so that we come across the best that we can, and then uh, we will also make sure that we time it. Yeah. And just so that we Zach's are Zach's really strong. great about, yeah. about running a timer when we rehearse. Um, no kidding. Yeah. I, I just remember one day he said, I think Tyler actually said, uh, what time have we got on the set? And I just responded quite flippantly, just going, I've got no idea. It's impossible to tell. And then Zach just came back and said, I've judged it as this. And he was spot on. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Um, but I think, I think with just with gigs like that it's you know there are certain gigs that you have to do you know especially if um the venue's a name you know to get those like the music box you know that was a great name yeah for our what was it our third gig uh <clears throat> yes that yeah. was our third we we did we did the five o'clock lounge then and the then right before the pandemic we did may halls and then i uh, oh we did we did winchester right after may halls uh, like two or three weeks before March. Yeah. And then, yeah, we did we did Music Box. I think we were supposed to have the Music Box. Would have been like it was right March. around St. Patrick's Day. And then we ended up doing it 4th of July. Yeah. And so, then I don't think we had anything else in 2020. No. That was pretty much it. Yeah. So let me ask you guys this. Uh, what are you guys listening to right now? What are you guys, what are you, what's on the, what's in your... Uh, uh, I'm listening to a lot of Ariel Posen. He's a guitar player out of Canada. He did session work in Nashville for a long time for country guys. He does like Americana Heartland rock, but he's a killer slide player and he gets heavy with like a lot of fuzz. It's kind of like some Robert Randolph sounds over like a Tom Petty groove. Um, and then I've been diving deep into a lot of Bruce Springsteen and um, I love the Nebraska album. So I've been listening to that again lately. How about you? What you and, and I, another thing I wanted to ask you mm. because I kind of already went over some of your influences, but as a bass player, like who do you go to? To uh, I mean, you got a favorite, or do you have a? Yeah, I've always been. Um, I've always been trying to seek John Entwistle's tone. Oh, um, and I did have to sit myself down one day and to say, I will never play as good as him. Yeah, he's so great I one. stopped trying. Um, but um, <clears throat> but yeah, people, um, you know. I, I, to be fairly honest, I just think Entwistle is... He always said, I'm not a bass player, I'm a bass guitarist. And I just thought, that's that's bang on, you know. For me, I don't... I'm not a bass player who just sits there and, and just plays the very basics of everything. I like to add interest to the instrument because it keeps it exciting for me. Um, I wouldn't say my bass lines are technically difficult. They're just, I would say... You're not, you're not playing just root notes. Exactly. You, yeah. I would say they're, they're interesting. Yeah, go listen know. to Desert. Yeah, that's quite a good one. Um, it's a good end whistle. Um, vibe, like yes. Um, but yeah, but, but music-wise, um, I'm big into um, a group at the minute called Sylvanesso, who are um, like oh, a, yeah. an electric group. Yeah. Um, I discovered them through the Tiny Desk concerts years ago, and uh, they released an album a couple of years ago called With, which because it's just it's. This uh, a guy and a girl, and he does all the like the music through uh, samples and all this kind of stuff. And she's a phenomenal singer. Um, and uh, 
because their stage show is just all electronic and all that kind of stuff, they did a tour where they actually got their friends who were incredible musicians to actually play the the songs. And, you know, you've got you've got brass sections that are playing, you know, Moog synths uh, sounds and stuff like that. And it's, it's an incredible album. It's called With, and it's a phenomenal live album. But I'm... I'm also at the minute. I'm getting back into uh, what I grew up in, which was Tears for Fears. Because no, uh, way. yeah, they're coming. They're coming to Cleveland. Yeah, I've got tickets. Really? And uh, they've got a new album out in a few weeks' time, so I'm I'm getting back into them. But yeah, it pretty much in in my house. It's either Tears for Fears. I gotta think I was like six, seventeen. When did they come? When was when were they out? That was eighties, early eighties. Yeah. Yeah, I was. I was. I was young. I remember that. <laughs> I wasn't born. <laughs> well, it's true. And he wasn't. But yeah, um, so but mostly in my house it's it's like Tom Petty of the Beatles and and stuff like that. So our gear is pretty reflective of the people we like. Yeah. Well, you're talking about a lot of stuff you're talking about. It's like a southern rock and roll is you like that especially you it sounds like you like that southern rock that country type of flair to things is i that, mean I would you up, say that? i grew up on a dirt road so you know there's a little bit of twang a little bit of cowboy literally there's never a, had a house yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a little bit of twang in there there's a little bit of southern there's a little bit of heartland rust belt um and then the guitar itself as an instrument lends heavily to blues and english influences and uh it's i mean i guess i would have to say which makes largely if you if you if I, i'm going to say this and it won't make a lot of sense at first but california sound mm. is is largely what i do okay now that doesn't necessarily make any sense to what i anything i just said but the california sound is the birds who are really big friends with the Be- or well they really admired the beatles and then crosby stills and nash and then eventually tom petty and don henley um the, the Eagles were out there. A lot of the guys that were in California came from Florida or they grew up in California and they were in, inspired by England. The birds eventually went country, you know. And, and so that whole Echoes in the Valley documentary, if you ever watched that with Jacob Dylan hosting it, um, that's really kind of a lot of the guitar style I play. And I think, again, that really shows off on the album because when I was a teenager growing up, I was so into the English mod scene in terms of the music. Literally every single CD in my uh, collection, I noticed one day everything was a British band. And I thought, yes, because that's the only where the good music comes from. (laughs) And then, then, yeah, I I then, I grew up and I started to discover people like the Eagles and and, and Petty. But then obviously I've still got this big English sound and I think, you know, when you listen to the album, again, it, you can hear those influences from. And like even Jeff, I'm sorry not to interrupt you, but no. like even Jeff Beck, he he and and Rod Stewart when they were doing Faces, there's mm. a lot of country sounds in there. Uh, the Rolling Stones, their oh, golden, their golden, their golden years are more so country than rock and roll. Yeah, um, uh, country western. I don't want to get too much into the whole modern country flannel beer and and the the modern bullshit that we call country music the rap country and it's a fucking disaster jason aldean should he doesn't deserve his label but (laughs) i love you can can cut that out don't hold that um (laughs) we're actually talking to him next week yeah right well i mean you know the the music i grew up with that was called country is a lot different from what you call country today but 
anyways, um, yeah, the the mod scene and, and the California sound, they all kind of they come together to they it, intertwined. Yeah, in in such a beautiful form of popular guitar or based music. Yeah, yeah. Well, so the CD's already was released in November. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, how do people get your CD? How are they is it is it the uh, Amazon, stores. the whole the whole you got it everywhere? Well, we got it uh we don't have it on Amazon yet. Um you can obviously buy it at gigs, but we've got it in uh the exchange stores. Um Oh, oh really? So, yep. yeah, if we're you, locally in the exchange stores. Um, oh, cool. That's think, cool. Uh it, well, not just locally. Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Michigan. Yeah. I'm sure there's one more. I think Chicago Buffalo. maybe. Can't remember. I think I think it was Buffalo, Erie, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Akron, Detroit, something like that. Um, so yeah, you can you can pick it up in their stores, um, but yeah, we've it's obviously available on iTunes and all the streaming platforms. We are sorting out an online store, because oh, um, we do have a line of merch which um, which we're just finishing off. Um, but yeah. And when you guys start releasing these videos, are you guys just going to release them on YouTube, and then, or are you guys going to have a special platform like on your website or something like that? Pretty much everything. Oh, so, so you're just going to get it out to as many as many platforms oh, as yeah. possible, and that's yeah. that's the best way to do it. it yeah, is. we we put it about a bit. Cool. So. All right, guys. Well, I think that's about it. Thanks We're wrap for it up us there. Today. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. It's been thanks an awesome conversation. And uh, if you guys uh, see Guy and the Citizens are playing out, definitely go see him. And that's about it for us. Level Up Cleveland checking out. You'll stand by when the hammer falls. (laughs) Excellent, guys.